As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. You know what my Christmas miracle is? What? I just went to the eye doctor's office and my vision improved. What? Yeah. How? Like, is it because you don't stare at a screen for as many hours of the day or something? No. I mean, literally since fifth grade, I have had glasses or contacts and they have, my eyes have increasingly gotten worse over the years. I have not gone to the eye doctor in two years, which I know is bad. I should go every year, but I improved. I went down a level like instead of up again and have you changed things in your diet and Are she you was like light glasses like i'm, tell, I'm not tell us. kidding when i walked out and uh they handed the prescription she told the like front desk people it's better than my old one they're all like someone's eating healthy <laughs> so it is food yeah so apparently sugar and dairy are two things that like they basically inflame your body and they can inflame your corneas which makes your vision worse mm. and i don't eat those two things except for on you know a few times a year yeah oh wow that's i mean I know. food is powerful right jeez You're going to have like 2020 vision soon. You're going to have 1520 vision soon. <laughs> and it felt really nice when everyone in the front office was like, someone's eating healthy. I felt like I had the little shells in Aquamarina or Aquamarine, that movie where they whisper compliments to you. Oh, that's so <laughs> nice. That's, yeah, that's a good way to to end your day. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess you're ending it with me yeah. because this was right before yes, this. But. Exactly. Wow. Look at you. I know. You're really glowing up in terms of your eyesight this year. Don't they look way more visible to you, too? <laughs> That's how it works, I can right? even see them more clearly. <laughs> They're affecting all the eyeballs around them. Uh, this is Two Girls, One Ghost. Two Girls, One Ghost. And we are your ghostesses. That's Corinne. Hello. And I'm Sabrina. And this is an Encounters episode, which is holiday-themed, holiday-inspired Holiday motivated to get you right all. because we have twinkly lights outside yeah. and inside, and we feel good. We've drank hot chocolate, except for Sabrina because she doesn't eat sugar. Yeah, I I can make sugar free hot chocolate, There and I can go. still drink mold wine and all. Oh. You know, 
There is the soy eggnog, which is so good. If you haven't had it, I love it. I'm willing to try anything. I'm a big eggnog person, though. It's like Me it's too. I don't dislike it. A lot of people have a strong aversion to it. I like I it. I love it. I mean, I don't want to know what it's made of. I have made it before. It's a lot of eggs and milk and a lot a, a lot of, um, I think it's whiskey. Wait, what? And I think there's whiskey in it? I'm pretty sure. Whiskey and rum, like a little bit of rum. There, there can't be in the store-bought. Well, I don't know about the right? store-bought. But but the one you the make. one I make <laughs> Sabrina Sabrina made yes <laughs> you're like no there's definitely liquor in there yeah no store bought I think is more just um, it grosses me out to think of just like a jug of milk and eggs that we drink yeah but it's so good yeah it tastes delicious there are worse you just things. Can't have- too much and you can't i feel like you can't drink it in public i think you need to be in like the privacy of your own home or a bathroom you feel comfortable a bathroom yeah does it not just like oh oh, i thought you're like saying drink it in the bathroom alone like i was like that's a pretty sad and not festive i mean don't have it in public where you can't like shit yourself true fair (laughs) that's what i'm saying i've been there and that's not enjoyable or fun or festive Mm mm-hmm no, it's not. What movie are you going to watch? What's your go-to? Mine's Elf. I watch it every I do love year. Elf. Okay, so I think I've said this on the podcast before because um, at this point I've said everything. You know me. There's nothing left of me to give. It's <laughs> <laughs> kind of depressing. <laughs> You're like the giving tree. We've hacked you down. <laughs> There's nothing Aww. left to give. Um, I Every year on Christmas Eve with my cousins growing up, we would watch A Christmas Story. Mm-hmm. They'll shoot your eye out. And that's the one with Ralphie. Ralphie. He gets his tongue stuck to the pole, uh-huh. right? Yeah. I don't think he does he get his tongue tongue stuck or is it another kid? No, I is it Ralphie? You know what? I've actually never seen the movie all the okay. way through. I've seen it plenty of times and I still don't know because I probably haven't been the most sober while watching it. But because you're drinking that eggnog. Drinking that eggnog. <laughs> But yeah, I that's like the tradition to watch. So I always watch it. And it's always on the background. Mm-hmm. I like the holidays because, and this isn't specific to going home for Christmas. This is like Thanksgiving, Easter, any of the holidays that involve my grandparents' house. We drink Bloody Mary. So we start drinking at like 10 a.m. Mm. <laughs> or before that. Whoa. Whenever everybody's up and, and whoever like cracks the first one, that's when everyone just rushes to the Bloody Mary station and starts drinking. But I really love Bloody Marys. And so that's what I think of when I think of holidays. Just all of them together. Bloody, Bloody Marys. Marys. Bloody Mary. Bloody Which is Mary, appropriate Bloody for the show. <laughs> Look in the mirror with your Bloody Mary. Bloody Mary. We made my cousin a virgin Bloody Mary. So she just had the mix, the cocktail mix. I used to do that on planes before I was 21. Really? I mean, it's it's like – it's tomato juice. It's like a meal. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's soup. It's cold it's soup. gazpacho. <laughs> yeah. So this is our food episode. Oh. Uh, well, this is actually an encounters episode. So we are going to read some holiday-themed encounters that everyone has Should sent in. I start? I think so. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'll start with this. This is from our listener, Steph, and it is called Christmas Morning Nightmare. Hello, ladies. Hello, Steph. <laughs> I only found your podcast a few weeks ago when my friend told me about it, and since then I've been listening to it nonstop, but only during the day. Most episodes don't creep me out too bad, but why tempt fate? Funny story before we get to the spooky stuff. It's not supernatural, but was 100% triggered by your podcast. 
So I blame you, LOL. My boss almost gave me a heart attack today. I was listening to the Black Eyed Kids episode, episode 20, and had just finished the part of the story where the children say, our parents have arrived, and there is the man in the black suit waiting by the black car. Now for context, I work security in a warehouse that is currently shut down. There is very minimal lighting. It is super dark in most places. Now, having just reached that part of the story, I walk through this doorway and see my boss just standing outside of my peripheral vision, and I don't see him until I turn and almost run into him. He is wearing a black cardigan and standing there in this mostly dark hallway. To say he scared me is a major understatement. I jumped out of my skin and barely held in my scream as I realized it was only him. I have to say it was hilarious, but also absolutely terrifying. And now for the real reason I'm writing this email... A few days ago, I was listening to the holiday episodes, all about the ghosts at Christmas time, home for the holidays, I think. Well, this brought to mind my own Christmas nightmare. And then the next episode was all encounters with guardian type stories. And between the two of them, I couldn't not send you this email. <laughs> so a little background. My mom's sister and I were living in an apartment complex in my high school years. I was probably around 15 at the time this story takes place. There wasn't a lot of activity in the apartment on a usual basis. I would occasionally feel a hand on my side as I was laying in my bed or feel breath on my ear or the doorknob to my room would wiggle, but that was just the worst of the activity and it was fairly uncommon. Definitely not every day or even every week. Well, as kids do, I became friends with one of the girls living in the next building down, and for privacy's sake, I will call her Katie. We hung out a lot, and I even stayed at her house a few times. Also, in the apartment with her was her younger brother, Jake, and her dad, David. Their names have also been changed, except David, because I feel like he deserves to be known, and yeah. Her dad began to hang out with me, even when Katie wasn't around. There was a big backyard between our apartments and all the kids in the buildings used to hang out around there. He would hang out with us, which I didn't think was necessarily unusual at the time and I was only 15 and back then it didn't seem unusual anyway. My nightmare came one Christmas morning at 4.30 in the morning. I'm not sure if it was a dream or if I was actually awake for this, but either way it creeped me out. I noticed this bright light flooding my bedroom and I look over at my window it looked like one of those super bright stage lights, the kind you have to hold your hand up to be able to see if it's directly on you. It was bright purple and was coming from directly outside my window. Mind you, my window was on the second story and butts up to the next building over, so there is no way somebody could have been standing outside shining a flashlight into the window. Standing in front of this purple light, perfectly silhouetted against the window, was this black form. To be clear, I am talking about a solid black mass, not a shadow on the wall, not a person just dressed in black. This was a completely black something standing in front of my window. The thing is, it was in the exact shape of David, my friend's dad. I knew it was him or meant to be him immediately. He was 100% solid black except for two things, his eyes and his smile. Both were stark white and gave off the scariest evil grin you can imagine. He looked directly at me and nodded, never losing that terrifying grin, or really, it could be more considered a smirk, an evil, terrifying smirk. And then I blinked, and everything was back to normal. He was gone. The light was gone. It was as if nothing ever happened. I bolted upright in bed and reached for my cell phone and opened it up to scan the room. I jumped off my bed as far out in the room as I could, in case something was under my bed, and I crouched down to look underneath. Nothing. I checked my closets and under my desk. 
Nothing. Once I'm confident David wasn't lurking in my room somewhere, I climb back into bed and sit awake until morning because one, there was no way I could go back to sleep after that, and two, I was not moving from my room until the sun came up. I told my mom about it later that morning, and she really didn't know what to say about it, but she for sure did not let me go stay the night with Katie anymore. Fast forward several months later. It turns out one of David's neighbors found inappropriate videos of underage girls in David's house, and there were other rumors that he was having relations with one of the other girls in the apartment complex, but that was never confirmed. Now, looking back as an adult, some of the conversations we had and things that he said and did could definitely be defined as inappropriate. Who knows what would have happened if I kept going over to his house to hang out with Katie. And so, with that in my mind, I'm thinking that whatever it was I saw in my bedroom was actually trying to protect and warn me. My guess is it wanted to scare me bad enough not to go around David anymore, and it definitely worked. So, that was just one of my many scary stories. I have a few different emails I'm drafting in my head. I'll get them all typed and sent eventually. Hope you enjoyed my story, and if you happen to read this in an episode, please let me know. See you on the other side, Steph. Wow, okay. Festive, right? <laughs> Very festive. The nightmare on Christmas morning. Yeah. I, I don't know why, but when you said the when you were reading the part about the bright light, I immediately thought this was going to be an alien It does kind of feel – yeah, it has an alien vibe to it. Yeah. I'm very curious about what this dark, shadowy figure is because it looked like David. And so I'm I'm curious, is this something that is attached to David? Is this something that is kind of chipped off from David and mm. the evil in his soul? Or is this something that's that's trying to almost give her a warning and be like, you should be scared of me and I'm making myself look like David Interesting. to freak you out? I mean, whatever it was, it worked to freak her out. So I could see it both ways because clearly David is a F asterisk asterisk K-E-D guy and like just so messed up and wrong in many ways. So like it makes sense that there is this evilness pouring off of him Mm -hmm. that it could show up if he had bad intentions and was thinking about Steph in this way. You know, he could have sent off that energy to her home but i don't know it's hard to tell but the moral of the story is i'm glad it happened regardless of what it was because right thank goodness she decided to never go stay at katie's house anymore right it was like a mix of her own intuition and and kind of questioning certain scenarios and situations mixed with this horrifying image christmas morning this like thing like smiling at her creepy stalking her standing in front of a purple light it's funny that it's purple because that's what Disney is. You know how Disney uses like purple and green to mm-hmm. represent evil. Oh, so it's just interesting yeah. that it was it was kind of doing that. And maybe maybe that was purposeful. Yeah. Maybe this was actually like some guardian spirit that was like, okay, I need to really spook her. That and was, she's a kid, so yeah. let me just do what I what I think she'll understand is really scary. That was Santa's gift to Steph that morning. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Instead of coal, you get a demon. <laughs> so a demonic warning yes i would consider it a gift given what later came out about david i know i know as we were reading it too i had this thought some of the details in the story are a little bit different so i know it's not about a family from my hometown but there was something very similar which just shakes up the whole town and everybody and you just feel so sorry for the family and the kids that are involved in that family it's horrible why are people awful 
I don't know, man. We're just waiting for that reckoning. Mm. <laughs> I'll probably die too. They'll be like, remember that one time you accidentally stole the ring and then you felt bad and you returned it? Well, it doesn't matter. You're dying. It took too long for you to return it. You stole it in the it first took place. Long. <laughs> you took six days. <laughs> oh, yeah. Scarred myself. Okay. Let me read. Let's just stick with with a similar theme. <laughs> let me let, let me click on this email that's titled Demon Santa. Yeah, as a disclaimer, I don't think I have many good ones. <laughs> <laughs> We're like, yay, happy holidays. <laughs> we feel good. Demon Santa. <laughs> I mean, this is representative it's of who we are. On brand, so. yes. And obviously who everyone else is. If the stories that we have are all bad, <laughs> that's everybody else too. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry that everyone experiences them, but we like to read them. Yep. That's true. Hey, girls. My name is Madison, and I've been listening to your podcast for a while now. Encounters episodes are always my favorite, and I thought I'd share a spooky story of mine I've always thought about this time of year. When I was around six years old, we moved into this old house built on top of a lonely mountain in California. By you, Sabrina, maybe. Legend has it that this house was built on top of a gold mine that collapsed on a family, and someone died by suicide in my bathroom. At first, everything was amazing. We had a good-sized house tons of land, and the best thing was that we had it all to ourselves. Well, that was the mood until activity started happening. I would wake up completely paralyzed in the middle of the night, and I would see a black mass standing at the door of my closet. The mass towered over everything that it was around and would just watch me sleep. I couldn't ever move or scream or do anything other than let the entity terrorize me. No. (laughs) We had so many encounters with this man that we gave him a name, Shadow Man. He would scratch me. Oh, my God. He would move things. And one time he even pushed my sister down the stairs (gasps) after her leg surgery. Oh, my gosh. That Christmas Eve is what I remember with the greatest detail. I was sleeping in my sister's room when I woke up in the middle of the night with the feeling that someone was watching me. It was so quiet that I could hear the fireplace crackling from downstairs. That's when something yelled, Go back to sleep! at me with the deepest, scariest voice I've ever heard. I was paralyzed with fear. My six-year-old brain thought that it was Santa telling me to go to sleep so that he could bring the gifts. It felt like the darkness of the room was closing in on me, so I pulled the covers over my head and I went back to sleep. Scary thing is, none of my sisters heard it or woke up. I learned now that it was most definitely not Santa, and in fact, something more evil. That memory still haunts me till this day. Madison. Oh, well, uh... I have so many questions. Yeah, this is like Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. These are supposed to be happy times with family, times to reminisce, times to remember loved ones. And then these horrifying things are happening. Like six-year-old little Madison is is terrorized in her bed. But that's what's the scary part is that that she was terrorized by this shadow man for so long. And I'm curious – I mean, do they still live in that house? Where is the shadow man? Did you ever get rid of it? I mean, uh, a thousand questions are running through my mind because it sounds like that house is extremely haunted. And for something to push her sister down the stairs right after surgery. Oh, my God. I know. That's so that's evil. That's just pure evil. Yeah. That's not, that's not just like, you know, some spirit that doesn't want to share the house. This is this is demonic. Like, this is aggressive. Purposely trying to pushing. hurt. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And then and the – there. <laughs> We have so much to say about it. <laughs> the Christmas Eve experience does kind of remind me of Krampus. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, it was it's attached to Shadow Man because of all the other experiences that they had. But right. 
Oh, so scary. I wonder if Madison was the youngest because you know how, well, I guess it doesn't really matter if you're youngest or where you kind of fall, but you know how demonic entities will, will often target one family member and single them out. Yeah. And it sounds like for Madison, I don't know how, how deep of sleepers her siblings are, but if, if none of her siblings woke up when that was happening, it makes me think almost back to the story of that person who had been, I think he was like levitating in the air with the ceiling and the coffin and then his boyfriend didn't hear him yelling to wake up yeah it's reminding me of that like was there this sort of bubble around her where she was experiencing stuff but that sound and that experience didn't exist outside of that little section or are they just really deep sleepers you know true but are you that deep of a sleeper on christmas eve aren't you so excited I mean, if you go to midnight mass every year, then yeah, you're that tired. Oh, yeah. No. No, thank you. I did. You did that? Oh, every year. we would. Well, and also like as a kid, you're so – I don't know. Christmas Eve is like our big day. So like all day Christmas Eve, we're like running around with our cousins, especially as kids. And then my mom would take us to midnight mass. And so by the time we got home, we were pooped. And I think they did it on, you know, on purpose. Yeah, that makes sense. I, as a parent, would also be pooped. That would yeah, be true. a struggle, especially with all the screaming kids and people waking up like really energized in the morning, ready true. to go. That would be tough. No, we didn't do that. But my brother was determined to catch Santa. He never did, but he would tape like strings with bells oh. to the ceiling so that when Santa landed on our roof, it would jingle and wake him up. He he tried he tried a lot. Christian he did like, a lot of reminds me traps. of the kid from Home Alone. <laughs> He very much is. Yeah, he was really (laughs) clever. Determined. Never caught him, though. Man of mystery. Magic. Magical man. I wonder if he's responsible for my, my good eyesight or if it is actually my better eating habits. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com. Okay, I have one from Julia called Several Mistakes Were Made. Oh, no. (laughs) It just sounds bad. (laughs) 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 Into the ho, 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 ho. (laughs) Okay. Hello, beautiful ladies. I know most everyone says a thank you at the beginning of these emails, so I, too, had to say that I have been enjoying your podcast For the past year or so, you both always make me feel as though I'm having a conversation with a friend whilst on a long car trip and even during my extensively boring homework while trying to finish out my college degree. 
I have a few stories for you on your favorite and probably also least favorite topic, Ouija boards. Mm. I want to start out by saying that I grew up in a Christian household and I've always been taught to never play the devil's board game. First person to tell me this was my mother. In high school, she and one of her friends had used a Ouija board as a kind of a joke just to see what they could get out of the experience. They asked questions like, what would be the score of the basketball game and silly things like that. My mom, however, asked the board what the name of her future husband would be and the spirit communicating with them had answered Scott. My mom laughed it off at the time, but as luck would have it, here I am today, and wouldn't you know, my last name happens to be Scott. My own experiences with Ouija boards didn't begin until college. Unfortunately, for a short time, I fell in with a bad crowd, and one night they had decided to use a Ouija board. This board was not ordinary, though. A boy in this group of friends, let's call him Andy, carved this board into a wood plank that he had found and he burned an upside-down cross as well as the number 666 into it. Not to mention, he was immensely disrespectful before we began. I had told this group that I wasn't very comfortable participating, but they convinced me by saying that if I didn't, it would ruin it for them because all people present in the house had to partake for it to properly work. Side note, I now know that this was a lie and know to trust my gut when I'm in an uncomfortable situation. But... That evening, we all placed our fingers on our makeshift planchette, and I proceeded to say the Lord's Prayer before we asked our first question. We asked if anyone was there. Yes. We asked, what is your name? J-A-Y. J. How old are you? Six. I was terrified. Like, shit your pants, oh fuck no, terrified. I asked the group if we could say goodbye, and the planchette slid to goodbye. My friends at the time told me this was a bad sign, as we did not all try to sign off. But looking back, I definitely asked to say goodbye, so I don't think there was a problem. They kept asking questions, and then the planchette flew on its own to goodbye again. I feel like now is an important time to say that we were sitting in a locked bathroom around Christmas time, and all the ornaments from the Christmas tree in the living room suddenly fell and shattered in the tub beside me. All of the lights went out, and two members of the group received messages from an unknown number detailing that their lives would become a living hell. What? We later determined that this was a demon and that we had just made a huge mistake. I, of course, said the Lord's Prayer yet again to try and protect myself from anything evil and then scurried out to my car in an effort to get home as fast as humanly possible because the only thing going through my mind was, oh, fuck, no. I don't believe that the spirit follows me as I did not provoke it, and have not had any bad energies in the house I live in now, but the experience was scary nonetheless. I do have more stories if you'd like to hear them, most of them being slightly more upbeat than this one. Thanks for all you do and bringing me such joy nearly every day. Please stay ever so spooky. See you on the other side, Julia. Oh my god. (laughs) This is... This feels like a movie. This feels like The Ring or something. You know, you watch the tape Mm -hmm. or Final Destination. The fact that it just goes so far beyond the board. Yeah. The ornaments are shattering. People are getting texts. The text is a weird thing. Like, I've never heard that happening. Or maybe we have, but it's not common. I want to know what the message was like. Was it a male voice, a female voice? Did it sound like a weird recording? Did it sound like a scene from a TV show that was being filmed? Like. What was it? Did everyone get the same message? I think they were texts, not voicemails. 
It was? Okay. Yeah. And then I'm curious if everybody got the same exact text and what was – who was the number that was sending? I know. Did they t- try to respond? What? There's just – we have more questions. We do. <laughs> But it is almost like I don't want to know necessarily. No. And also I don't really know – I don't really want to know where these – I'm curious what these other people are doing with their lives and if it truly mm-hmm. has impacted them. And I'm so grateful that Julia was safe and protected herself a little bit while they were doing it and has not experienced anything since. But it sounds like those other people that she was with were the type of people who would probably play again or it wasn't their first time of playing. Right. Well, and it it's it kind of sucks that her mom had such a good experience, yeah. you know, like a benign experience where she be- basically just got her fortune told. Yeah. And so then it, it kind of sets it up for Julia to be like, okay, maybe this isn't so bad. I should, you know, not play, but what's the worst that's going to happen? And then this happens. And the fact that the people like lied to her to be like, you have to play or none of us get to play. Right. Yeah, that's shitty. Also, I am curious from her mom's perspective, like what was her feeling when she first met her now husband, knowing that his last name was Scott as the Ouija board predicted? Right. Did she even make the connection? How could you, know, you could not? have been something where, I don't know. I mean, if many years had passed. I guess. You're not really thinking about it. And then maybe you retell the story like three years later when someone brings up Ouija boards and you're like, oh. Because for most people that are not us, I think Ouija boards don't get brought up in life that much. <laughs> they don't talk about this every single day. No. And so I think it's one of those things where like it could trigger the memory and you're like, oh, dang. Yeah. That was that was accurate. It is interesting though. Like that's such a specific question. Mm-hmm. And it came true. This is – I need to go to the palm reader that my mom went to when she was like 25 or something like that because everything came true. and. Whoa. She she recently remembered the name of the company that did it or like the the palm reading uh-huh. place in Portsmouth, New Hampshire. And we looked it up and it's still Wait, in existence. Go, so this woman's got to be go, older now. So. Go over the holidays. I know. I know. We were going to a few – we were going to the time that I broke my, my toe. <laughs> Your poor so I ruined those plans. I wonder if you. I wonder if you show up and the the woman says you were going to come, but your poor toe. And then I'll be like, "Do you listen to Super <laughs> Ghost? Did you know I was coming?" My mom's curious if she'll recognize her oh. if she'll like know based on her energy or That's something. Cool. Yeah, there was a TikTok. We'll I don't even remember if you sent it to me, but there was one where this girl was telling this story about how she used to have dreams of this woman who was like – or she worked at a sandwich so- shop and this guy kept coming in every day and they like would talk, whatever. And she, after meeting him at the sandwich shop, would start having this dream about this woman and this woman was like, you're supposed to marry my son. Why haven't you married my son yet? Why aren't you with him yet? And she had no yes. idea what he was ta- what this woman was talking about and it was a dream and it was weird. She moved and then one day she like goes back to the sandwich shop like m- many years later and runs into this guy – and they pick up, they start dating, and one day she goes over to his family home and sees a picture of this woman from her dream, and it was his mother who had passed away many years ago. Right. Like, she wasn't – she had passed when that woman was having those dreams. Yes. She had already passed. Yes. Yes, yes. I do remember that. That I, Like, just even thinking about it gives me chills. I know. Me too. I'm smiling hard. <laughs> All right. What do you have? Okay, this is from someone who we are going to give a name to because they shall remain anonymous. Right. So maybe we call them A for anonymous Ooh. and pretty little liars. Ooh. Okay. Hey, ghostesses. Current backstage cast member at Disneyland. Just a current thing for you guys to know. The cast members here call 
a section of the Matterhorn ride, Dolly's Dip. It's known by this by cast members because things go wrong. Floats break down in the parade, injuries. There's a Santa float incident in 2018. And the joke is that Dolly must have been mad about something that day. And the woman's restroom in that area is also known to be haunted and custodial is not a fan. Mm -hmm. The water will run on its own. I haven't experienced anything there myself, but I've had some pretty scary things happen. There's also a white lady in the golden horse shoe backstage in the kitchen and also on stage. We also think that Walt might be there. Many children have asked who the man is on the balcony. Oh. They also see the white lady that sometimes is on stage and on the stage backstage or in the kitchen. Oh my gosh, it is a magical place for kids. They see the ghosts. There's so many. (laughs) Tom Sawyer's Island definitely takes on a different life at night. When we put on Phantasmic, we work in the dark once the show starts. I can honestly say on certain parts of the island, I always feel like someone is watching me from the bushes. Past cast members have even named the ghost. Sometimes once we black out on the boat for the finale, I'm sitting on the floor in the parlor with the accordion doors behind me latched shut. I will hear the latch rattle until the doors open and shut like a little kid is standing there playing with them, but no one is there because the performers are all running back and forth in that area. Multiple times, people in my department have witnessed this to the point that they warn you when they train you. Oh my gosh. On Christmas Eve... The lights on the boat decided that they wanted to have a mind of their own and flash on and off through the whole show, and one of the performers' earrings moved themselves during the show from the counter to under the door that didn't unlatch for once and were perfectly placed right on the other side of the doorway. To say this ghost of Christmas past was out to play was an understatement. Also, the backstage building that I work in is haunted upstairs, Bathroom has a door that opens itself while you're in there, and I won't go in there by myself because it happens so often. (laughs) Fair. This feels like a moaning myrtle thing. Yeah. Downstairs in our storage area, you can sometimes hear things moving on the shelves or down a different aisle. And one night I was logging in our stuff that night for the show, and I was there until 12.30 a.m. I was logging these things used that night, and from out of nowhere, a pen dropped right next to me, and I literally ran out of that room (laughs) and down the hallway, and I begged my coworker to come in there with me while I finished my log and cleaned up for the night. (laughs) We both noped out of there about 14 minutes later when we could hear cabinets opening on the other side of the room. A different coworker who was putting things away in the cabinets shut them, went around the corner to throw something away, came back, and all the cabinets had opened themselves. So she came running out of that room so fast. Signed, A. Wow. Well, I mean, we knew Disney was haunted. I know. This is like every inch, every corner. Everywhere, which is kind of fun. I mean, obviously scary for A and all the cast members, but it's, I'm so glad that we got this email because it's so hard to find the particulars of stories at Mm -hmm. amusement parks just because you just get like the broad story, but like to have firsthand A experience all of these things. Right. And the parts of the parks that are experienced by guests is such a small percentage of property. Mm-hmm. I'm sure most of it happens backstage. Yeah. I mean, and if like you're the- a ghost at Disneyland and you weren't like an old cast member or someone who worked there, of course you're haunting the places that the public don't get to go to because like you're like, look at me. I get to go backstage to all these cool places now. Right. I I think I would be on the Haunted Mansion And then, you know, when the cart turns and then it shows you that there's like a ghost sitting beside you or in Mm -hmm. between you or something, I think I would be right there. So it would be the ghost and then also me and people would freak out because they'd be like, whoa, that one looked really realistic. And then they'll realize later that it was 
was a ghost. Do they take photos on the Haunted Mansion? <laughs> I don't know. You should be in everyone's photo. That would be amazing. You photo bomb. Or the ballroom scene when everyone's ballroom dancing and I'll just like like do some break dancing. I don't know. <laughs> Crump. Do you know how to break dance or are you going to learn that in the afterlife? I'm just going to freestyle. Okay. And then. <laughs> Can't wait to see these new skills of yours. <laughs> I never said it was going to be good. I just said, I'm just going to do a different style than the ballroom dancers. I love so it. So that it's, it's just obvious that I'm not a part of it. Maybe a twerking ghost. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Be a little Megan the Stallion action. Wow. It's going to be not kid-friendly <laughs> once I'm there. They have to like rate the ride rated R after your appearance. <laughs> rated R because there's a spirit in here that we have just not been able to she get out. Is she is relentless. Wild. <laughs> what would you do? Where would you go? Hmm. At Disneyland specifically? Yeah. Or Disney World. The Disneys. That's a good question. Um, I think I'd want to like go. This is so hard. Why was it so easy for you? Do you think about this what often? If you, no. <laughs> but Haunted Mansion's my favorite ride. Gotcha. What if you went to what if you were on Tower of Terror? Well, it's not right that anymore. It dropped. You could, oh, shoot. I was going to say scream right before it actually drops because you would know because you're the spirit. Yeah. So then everyone else is screaming. Yeah. <laughs> Terrorize them. I think, I don't know. I kind of like the Moaning Myrtle bathroom action. Yeah, just go in there. We can switch it up. You can go to Universal, Harry Potter World. Oh, okay. Then, yeah, duh, Harry Potter World. Put me anywhere in that. I'll go all over the place. I love it. Thank you for the permission because that opens up so many doors. I know. Yeah, especially that like dark alley area. Ooh. In the Harry Potter world. Oh, I'll be in Ollivander's actually causing things to like go crazy. And the people who oh. work there are like, this, yay, we have magic. They all like secretly like, what the heck and then, yeah, was the that? The actual workers like, oh no, it's happening again. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I mean, that's literally what happened on the Tom Sawyer's Island. And all of those rides were like Christmas day or Christmas night. When the show is putting on, A, and the fellow cast members are just like, well, I guess the show lighting is – it is what it the is tonight. The ghost had a, its own own uh, ideas for this today. Yeah, someone's taken over the Christmas play. So wild. I do want to look up the Santa Float incident of 2018 let's that do we're it. talking about. After this, okay. we'll look it up and we can report back in another episode. Yeah, let's do it. Hopefully it's not too sad. All right. I have one from Michelle and <laughs> – it's called Dark Shadows. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't think I picked any good ones. I I don't know if I did. This might be a dark holiday episode. <laughs> yeah, as we do. Okay. Hello, ladies, ghostesses. I just started listening to you guys, and when I was listening, you mentioned red eyes and hat in a suit, and it reminded me of what happened to my family. Back in 2008, we, my family, went back to Tennessee for Christmas. My middle daughter was eight, and when we came back home to Texas, she was acting very weird. She was doing bad things to her oldest and younger sisters. She was acting very, very strange. I caught her talking to someone and even yelling at them, and this went on for about three to four months. My husband and I noticed that this was getting worse. One day, she was taking a shower, and we heard loud people talking, and Meg, my daughter, was screaming. When we ran in there, she had blood coming off of her back. I grabbed her and wrapped her in the towel, and we tried to calm her down, and she couldn't stop screaming. Once she calmed down, where I could see her back, I noticed claw marks going from the top of her shoulders down to her lower back. 
<gasps> I knew there was no way she could have done that to herself. They weren't like fingernail claws. They were something I have never seen. It took her a while to tell us what actually happened in the shower. She had another interaction with this tall man in a black trench coat with red eyes and a top hat. This time, there was a big handprint on her cheek, and that hand was bigger than hers or anyone else's in the house. Other encounters continued to happen to her, and in the meantime, I called my mom to tell her what was going on. And to my surprise, I found out that this spirit or ghost or demon was also exactly what my niece had told my mother happened to her. My mom also said that two of my other nieces had the same experience. Once my daughter told us exactly what he wanted her to do to others, we called the bishop of the church we were attending at the time. He came over with three gentlemen that were priests and laid their hands over my daughter's head and blessed her in our home. Now it is 2020 and he hasn't been heard or seen from from any of the other members of my family. Thanks so much for taking the time to read my story. I'm excited to hear the rest of all your episodes. See you on the other side from one of your ghosts in Texas, Michelle. That is absolutely horrifying. That is so sad that her daughter was experiencing that. And poor thing. And they just went on a family vacation for the holidays and they come back and she brought home this entity that has tortured and plagued many other family members from Tennessee. Right. Yeah. And she's not even safe in the shower. Like there's, it's following her everywhere. There's no respite from this demon. And why is it attached to the family? Like what is this familial haunting and why is it so aggressive? I don't know. I'm just glad that she's okay now because that's really, really scary. And that's so hard too as a parent to go through anything that's hard on your kids, I'm sure is way worse on, on the parent. But like when it comes to spirits, you're so out of control. It's not like you can be like, oh, here, take some Tylenol or right. this or that. Right. Or you can't call like a normal doctor or you could try, but like they won't really have answers. And how scary for them to hear their daughter and multiple other voices talking, yelling, screaming at like weird times in the day or multiple times <sighs> in the months that this yeah. was happening. And it's making me wince. Yeah. And like. Granted, she saw one man, like the, this tall man with red eyes and a top hat, but it sounded like from the email Michelle sent, it sounded like there were multiple voices. It's so disturbing. It's so disturbing and sad. And it's like, you know, at first you're like, is this a behavioral thing? Like, did something happen to her in Tennessee and she's acting out or is she just acting out in general? Especially she was taking things out on her sisters. I mean, at least they heard the voices. I feel like that's proof Yes, that it's not just something specific to their that one child. But terrifying. Yeah, but yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oh, this is just reminding me of all those like really scary travel channel, history channel type shows about all of the hauntings and all the families. Oh, yeah. It just, it's so... It's just so terrifying. It's like a it's like a movie. And two, once the priest comes or whoever it was that that came and and like did the blessing and essentially tried to rid her of this darkness, who's to say that that thing isn't just going to be like okay and go embody or take over slash torment another one of the siblings in that house? Well, especially because it sounds like it was being passed around other family members. Yeah, I mean, it does sound like since the blessings it has not been seen by anyone in the family so that's good but who's to say it's not like hopped over to the neighbor's house yeah or what if it's just dormant and waiting for an opening Ugh. don't do a ouija board yeah no 
That's what we can tell oh you. Oh my gosh. This poor girl too, I just wonder if she'll remember anything when she grows up. And I mean, she was eight years old and this is 2008. So she's older now. Like, does she remember it? Eight years old is mm-hmm. and something so scary like that, I feel like would stick with you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess if we're still podcasting, please, please write in. <laughs> let us know. Let us know what happens. Any updates? Okay. I have one. It's called New Christmas Ghost Story. Hi, ladies. I hope you're both enjoying the holiday season. I was talking with my aunt on Christmas night while we were doing a lovely little puzzle and asked her about ghost stories. She's absolutely one of my favorite people, and she and her family owned the Civil War era farm house in southern Vermont. My family has had a number of experiences, including a psychic walking into a room where my family regularly slept and saying, I can't be in here. There's a baby crying. Oh. Only to have it confirmed by archives that a mother and baby died in that room. Whoa. They had four different contractors quit while working on the house when they were having the foundation redone because they could see feet walking above them on the first floor. Oh. The boards weren't always flush with each other as this was an old house and no one could be there, but they literally saw the feet. Doors would open and close and the house was always so, so scary at night. But never during the day. It was a great place for me to grow up. <laughs> so scary. This is a story she told me the other night that gave me full body chills. At one point, my aunt and my uncle lived there with their kids full time. She was in school to become a nurse and was home alone studying during the middle of the day. She was seated at her desk in one of the living rooms, and this was a very large house, and the cat was next to her. She heard a really loud bang, like someone had slapped the floor really hard, and the room started shaking around her. The cat jumped, fluffed up, and yeeted herself out of there, and my aunt got up to look down the hallway into the kitchen and the great room because she was worried that something might have fallen off of their stone fireplace or something. When she looked down the hallway, there was a charcoal black figure standing about 100 feet down the hallway in the archway that entered the great room. Holy shit. She jumped back by her desk, but had remembered what her aunt had said, that you always have to tell the spirit to leave if you see them in your home. So she walked towards the freaking spirit. The whole time she approached, she kept saying, you are not welcome here. Even if you don't mean to scare me or do me harm, you do not live here anymore. This is not your home. Go find peace. She said she got about halfway down the hallway and the spirit kind of melted into the wall and moved towards her inside of the wall until it went down the stairs into the basement. After that, she never again had a problem with it. My aunt is a really practical person. And the fact that she said this so honestly really freaked me out because damn if this shit isn't true. My aunt said she wasn't scared after that because she felt like it was attached to the house, not to her. They don't live in the house anymore. They sold the place a few years ago. But it's truly one of the most special places, and I'm so sad to see it go. This is a long one, but damn, after I heard that on Christmas, I could not not tell you. (laughs) It's a doozy for sure. Love you both. Happy New Year, Carolyn. Wow. See, this is what holidays are for. You need to ask your relatives, ask your friends at the bar, ask people what spooky stories they have. Yeah, ask strangers. Just anyone, really. Yeah. Someone's like, oh, what are you doing? Happy holidays. And you're like, great. I I know you're cashing me out right now. And this is the end of the conversation for you. But (laughs) I have a question for you. Do you see dead people? I was once at a bar in in, um, Minnesota and it was like this old underground speakeasy that like definitely had like a vibe to it. And Mm -hmm. the waitress came up and was taking our orders and I go, when you have a moment, can you tell me the history of this building and if it's haunted? And she goes, um, it's really busy right now. And like walked off. (laughs) 
I was like, cool. <laughs> At least I put myself out there. I shot my shot. Yeah, I you're shoot, brave enough shoot to shoot my shot. Shoot. Yeah. 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 Don't be afraid of awkward responses. Yeah. Uncomfy situations. Because otherwise you wouldn't get any good yeah. stories if you don't ask. Fred and I did it at all the places in Boston and we got lots of good stories. Yeah. And then some people were like, no, thanks. Yeah. This like, isn't for me. <laughs> we don't have to force these things no. out on people that don't want to talk about it. But but it is interesting for Carolyn, the fact that she grew up like going to this place all the time. And aside from like the odd at night, it's a little creepy, didn't really have any experiences herself. Right. Has really fond memories. Like it sounds... It sounds like Carolyn has really warm, fuzzy, heartfelt memories there. Yes. She's like, oh, it's just so magical. It's so lovely. lovely. It's one of the best places. But meanwhile, her aunt is yelling at this spirit down the hall. The fact that the spirit melted into the wall and then moved in the wall towards her and then down the basement stairs is so it's so creepy, but it does really – it's like the embodiment, I mean, truly, of the fact that the spirit is part of the house. Like, it is rooted into the soul of the home, literally. The house is alive. Yeah. And it – I mean, as scary as that experience is, it does sound like these spirits are all attached to the history of the house and possibly are f- fine ghosts. Like, they just kind of cohabitate mm-hmm. with whoever lives there because in their mind, it also belongs to them. This is making me think of Waverly Hills Sanatorium and the Creeper (laughs) because the way that Carolyn describes the house changing at night, it makes me wonder if the spirits hide from whatever this charcoal black figure is that comes out at night. And maybe that's why there's such an energy shift and it feels so scary when the darkness falls. Maybe. But doesn't everything kind of seem scarier in the dark? Yes, I think so. I'm afraid of the dark. I think the only thing that feels better in the dark are ice skating rinks but they're lit up but it just feels a little bit more magical at night doesn't it ice skating rink. oh you mean like outdoor ones yes sorry i was like i'm, I'm like i'm a, i live in boston yeah, i'm imagining they're outside figure skating <laughs> rinks winter now i i grew up in ice skating rinks and i that's what i was picturing i was like they kind of look the same in the day and night oh i went to new jersey for hanukkah it was my first hanukkah and it's it snowed it was flurrying. it snowed yeah, I haven't even seen snow wow. in Boston yet, but it snowed in New Jersey. Ugh, I can't wait. I hope it snows when I'm home. I hope so, too. How long are you going to be home for? Nick and I are flying to New Jersey on a red eye the 21st. We get in the 22nd, and then we leave on the 26th to go to Minnesota, and then we're in Minnesota until the 30th, and then we fly back to LA. Okay, well, you have a lot of potential for snow. Yes, that's true. Between New Jersey and Minnesota. Two very cold, especially Minnesota places. So Chilly, chilly. I'm excited. How great. So fun. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, 
according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, the next one I have is from Michaela. And... <laughs> Don't expect something good as a subject line because it is <laughs> called My Cousin's Dead Father Told Her When She Is Going to Die. Oh, my God. Hey, guys. My name is Michaela, and I just recently found your podcast, and I'm slowly making my way through all the episodes. I was just listening to one of the Encounters episode, and it made me remember the story that my cousin told me when I was home for Christmas. So – For this story, I will refer to my cousin as T. T is in her 40s and has been having a lot of back problems that resulted in her needing to get surgery back in August. When the surgery was over, she wouldn't wake up from the anesthesia. Her mom, my aunt, was there talking to her, trying to get her to come out of it, and she was just unresponsive. She said in this time, she really believes she went to heaven. T said that she was in this place and saw my grandma that had passed away in 2016 and her father that had passed away before I was born. The one thing she kept pointing out about this place was the taste of the air. She said it was so pure and bright, she just felt so good there. T told her dad she wanted to stay there with him, and he said, no, you can't stay right now, but we'll be together again in six years. And after that, she woke up. She said that when she woke up, she still had that pure taste in her mouth, and she just started sobbing. I know she's not lying to me. She got choked up while telling this to me, and I can tell she truly believes it. T has custody of her nine-year-old granddaughter and believes this so much that she was stressing to me how much she needs to make sure that she has enough money saved up for her in six years so that she will be taken care of. This story left me feeling really weird inside for a few days, and I just hope it was some weird dream that she had. Y'all will probably receive more emails from me in the future. I have a plethora of ghost stories, but I just wanted to send that one first. Keep up the great work, guys. See you on the other side, Michaela. I mean, I sure hope that her father saying, I'll see you again in six years, is just another either near-death experience or astral travel, and it's not truly a death that leaves the nine-year-old yeah, granddaughter. I know. The we will be together again is interesting. Like the, the phrasing. Because mm-hmm. you're right. It could be he will be back in her life for together. could be just in a moment, you know? Or what if he gets reincarnated? <gasps> what if she gets a oh surprise God, pregnancy or someone else in the family has a baby? That's such a beautiful spin. Yeah. Six years. Especially if he didn't give any more warnings. I know. And was just like, yeah, I'll see you in six years. But it is either way like an ominous thing because I totally get why T would interpret it as she's going to die in six years. Right. It feels like that. Yeah. So, I mean, just imagine living your life with that assumed knowledge. It's scary. It is. 
And it's it's hard too when she has the responsibility of this other child because I'm sure she was trying to be really frugal, saving up that money and doing everything like that. But had she not had that person in her life that she was responsible for, I wonder how she would have reacted. Would she have, you know, lived her life until all pennies were gone in those six years, just doing everything and anything? Right. Like how how does that knowledge, how does that fear or uncertainty affect people's decisions? Right. Man, I don't – I would not want to know. I would not want to know. I mean, it's that question of like, would you rather know when you're going to die or how you're going to die? And I think I'd rather know how. I think I would too. But then there's the argument of like, if you know when, then you can plan accordingly. And if you know how, like what if it's like something as broad as in a car, which I already feel, but like then you would be so paranoid and be avoiding cars mm-hmm. for so long. Right. Yeah. I don't know. it. Because too, like, what if it? What if it's? What if it's like, oh, you die in a car, but but it wasn't from a car accident. Like, what if you just had like a heart ah. attack or something in the car? But what if you self induce that because you have so much anxiety? It's like spiking your body's response every single time you're in a car, and you almost do it yourself. Yeah, I don't like that. I don't it's know. It's just better never. She does to not know, know anything at all. Right. I just don't want to know. Yeah. Because I would cry. <laughs> I don't think I'd be like, I'm going to live my life bucket list. I'd be sobbing every single yeah. day. I wouldn't respond well. Okay. Alrighty. This is called Christmas Morning Ghost Story. Okay. This sounds like it could be good. We'll see. I can't remember. I don't think it is. <laughs> Good. (laughs) My name is Mary, and I have had many bone-chilling ghost experiences, but this one was the creepiest. Okay, so it's not not a good one. It was Christmas morning 2018. I was staying at my boyfriend's family's house Christmas Eve night, and we were sleeping in the spare room, which they call the man cave. We had been there many times before, but never had an experience until this morning. We went to sleep late, but for some reason, I felt uncomfortable and I tossed and turned all night. I had finally fallen asleep and was laying on my back, and my boyfriend was sleeping to the left of me turned away. I suddenly woke up to a woman's voice yelling right in my ear, get up, and my eyes shot open. I could actually feel the breath of the voice on my ear. And felt a presence next to me. I immediately touched my mouth and my lips were sealed. So I thought maybe it was just a dream. But my boyfriend woke up and turned over and said, what did you say, babe? (gasps) And I said, that wasn't me. He fell right back to sleep because I don't think he fully woke up. But I was terrified now that I knew it wasn't just me who heard it. I checked my phone and I saw that it was 5.30 a.m., I counted down the minutes until I knew his whole family would be awake. (laughs) And when I got up about 30 minutes later, the rest of the family was up. So I ran and I told them, and they all said that they've had weird feelings in that room as well over the years. In the few years I've spent going to his house, I've had a few experiences, such as hearing his family's deceased bird chirping in the kitchen at 2 a.m. About one week after it had passed away, which again, both of us heard. And having a standing fan turn on by itself and blow full blast on me right after I voiced how cold it was. Oh. But nothing quite like this. Creepiest Christmas ever. I mean, not only are you in an unfamiliar place and, you know, sleeping in a bed that's not your own, but then for like a woman's voice to yell, get up. You feel her breath on Yeah. A puff of air. It's so unsettling. Like, what did it want? Right. And and it's the fact that her boyfriend heard it too, because it's one thing to be like, oh, maybe I was in this in-between state where I f- thought I was awake, but maybe it was like the split second before I actually mm-hmm. woke. But he, when he's like, what did she say? Yeah, what he happened? rolled over and asked what she said. So it, no one was sleeping. This happened in real life. 
Right. And the fact that she was tossing and turning for so long and felt sort of uncomfy makes me wonder how long that spirit was in there. Like, was it just standing over her, staring at her? Like, waiting for her to fall asleep, and the second she did, wake her up? Yeah. It's torture. Sleep deprivation. Ah, Weird. Damn. Sorry, Mary. I do love that she was able to tell the family, and they all were like, oh, yeah, weird shit happens here all the time. Right. It runs to the family. You guys have a haunted house. Yeah, because I feel like there are a lot of people. You never know how people are going to respond. That's what I mean. I feel like a lot of people in that situation would, I don't know, keep it to themselves or just tell their significant other and be weirded out by it. Yeah, I know. It's a tough, it's a tough thing. It's like, do you bring up the paranormal activity? I guess it depends on your own comfort level with the people around you and with yourself. Yeah. Like if everybody rejects what you're saying and tries to make you feel like you're making it up. Are you still going to feel comfortable about yourself and comfortable with your story? Because I feel like I I am. I believe so hard that if anyone tried to like contest it or battle me, it wouldn't rattle me. I'd be like, okay, well, it's easier for you to not believe it, then that's fine. But this is what happened to me. I would like to believe that I have that assertiveness and ability to believe in myself. But when I was – and I've grown a lot from this moment – but when I was in like third grade, or maybe even younger, we had show. I hope you've grown from this moment. <laughs> third grade, we had show and tell, and I-, I brought in photos from my summer vacation because every year we used to go to Cape May every single year for summer vacation. Mm-hmm. So I brought in photos, and I show- go stand in front of the class and I go, "These are photos from Cape May where we go every summer," and I talk about it. And my teacher interrupts me and goes, "You mean Cape Cod?" And I go, no, Cape May. And she goes, no, there is no such thing. It's Cape Cod. And like fully gaslit me into believing that I never went to Cape May and that this whole time in my life I had been calling it the wrong name and I had been going to Cape Cod. Did you – did you ever – And I I must have gone home that day and been like, is it Cape May or is it Cape Cod? And it was Cape May. But I was just so embarrassed because my teacher like called me out in front of everyone in the class and I never said anything. You never did? See, No, I am – you should – do you remember who the teacher is? Send them an email. <laughs> no, I only have memory of the trauma that I went through in that moment. <laughs> like, remember when you said this 20 years ago? Yeah. I do. And here's the correction for you. Well, it was one of those things teacher. that I just like was – I so purely believed that because they were my teacher, they knew more than I did. And therefore, they had to be correct. It's so scary. And it's scary like how yeah. those things then like follow you in life. Right. Yeah. See, I, I had a mom who was uh, – a. if I had gone home and told her that, she would have called school. <laughs> she would have said, uh, why are you making my daughter feel stupid? You're stupid. Here's here's a map. Here's a – what was it? What did we have to use back in the day to map ourselves? Hmm? A map quest? Do you remember quest? we used to have to – map quest. Mm-hmm. Yes. Print out the directions. God forbid yeah. you miss a you miss the exit and you're all turned yep. around. I, I wouldn't be surprised if I never told my parents when I got home because – you're the middle child. Yeah, I didn't say much. But I'm working on it. Being assertive, st- standing my ground. Please, please be assertive. I'm trying. So this last story I have is from Trinity, and it is called Encounters! Exclamation point. Vague. <laughs> Hello, lovely ladies. I love listening to your podcast. I listen to it all the time. And I doubt you'll get to this anytime soon, which is true because this was sent in 2019. But I'm really hoping that you do. I'm a huge fan, so I've been a little hesitant to email you because I don't know if you'll believe me or if you'll care enough to include this in an episode. Well, guess what, Trinity? We do. (laughs) So I'm emailing you guys because I have many stories. I've speculated that I've had paranormal experiences my whole life, but I don't have any real proof. 
I have a few stories and I'll be telling you some of them in this email. This first one is from a very long time ago. I was about six or seven years old. This was before I moved away from my mom and dad to live with my great aunt and uncle. Me, my twin sister, and my older brother were sitting on our couch watching Spongebob. The episode was actually pretty close to being over when my mom walked in and told us to pause it. So we did. I asked her why, and she hushed me and asked, Do you hear that? Of course, I didn't hear anything, at least not at first. But after a minute or two of listening, I heard it. A slow, loud creak, followed by a loud bang. I might have peed my pants. My siblings and I cuddled up to one another, afraid for our lives. My mother asked my brother, who was eight or nine at the time, to go get the baseball bat, and she would call our dad, who was at work. My brother refused to get up off the chair, and my mom wanted to look out the window to see if someone was pranking us, but she was too afraid. Me, being the great kid that I was, offered to hold her hand. So we went to go check out the window together. We watched as our gate to the backyard slowly creaked open, like really slowly, and then slammed shut with a loud bang. It happened once every other second, like it was going to some unheard rhythm. But there's nobody there. It's probably just the wind, I told her. My mom nodded and cranked open the window and nervously stuck her hand out, feeling that there was no wind. I put my head out the window, and sure enough, the night was still. As my head was out, the gate banged even louder than before. There was no breeze. About a half hour later, the back door to our house opened, and we panicked. But it was just my dad finally coming home. We asked if it had been him, and he said no. Apparently, he had been walking up to the driveway and had seen the gate moving and had sneaked around to the other side to go in the back door. After that, we never heard the sound again, and we still don't know what it was. My other story is a lot more recent. And it's actually ongoing. It's pretty lengthy, so sorry about that. So I'm currently 14 years old. About a year ago, I was really into the paranormal and such. I had turned 13 recently, so I was pretty cocky. I didn't have a Ouija board, (laughs) and my family is very religious. So I hid up in my room and set up to play Charlie Charlie, which is a pencil game. It can be dangerous, but mostly it doesn't work. I had recorded the whole process, but when I went to review the video later, it was completely black. I could hear myself talking, but as soon as I asked the first question, the screen went dark. The first question I asked was, Charlie, Charlie, are you here? No response. I wasn't surprised, and after sitting for five or so minutes, I was about to give up when I noticed the pencil had just barely moved to yes. My heart skipped a beat. I sat in pure shock for a little while, and I asked, Charlie, Charlie, are you nice? I don't know why I asked that question. In hindsight, it was stupid. The pencil rapidly spun to no. I began to panic. Charlie, Charlie, are you going to hurt me? Very slowly, it spun to yes. I couldn't breathe. In what little voice I could muster, I said, Charlie, Charlie, I'm done playing. Then I broke the pencils, ripped up the paper, and put it in the candles. Once it had burned, I blew out the candles, and I went on with my day as it was like only 4.45 in the afternoon, as though nothing had happened. At about 9 o'clock, I went to bed. The next morning, I woke up and something felt off. Then I noticed that my stomach was stinging just slightly, and I pulled up my shirt and gasped. There, scratched gently onto my stomach, was the word Charlie. (gasps) I thought I had ended the game, but clearly I had not. I didn't tell anyone because I didn't want to get into trouble. That Christmas, I had some of my friends over for a party, and we were playing hide-and-seek in the dark, which is like the best game ever. So I was hiding in my brother's closet, completely masked by hanging clothes. I sat for a long time as nobody could find me. As I sat there and my eyes adjusted, I noticed something I hadn't before. 
About three feet in front of me, I could see a white, crouching figure with massive, empty eye sockets and a huge, gaping mouth. The only thing I can think of to put an image into your head is if Gollum and the rake had a love child. I started freaking out. I was squirming to get out of the closet and yelling, get me out, over and over and over again. Somehow, I was stuck. I had gotten tangled in the clothes. One of my brother's friends ran up to me and grabbed my hand and pulled me out. I never liked that kid very much, but I really appreciated him right then. From that day forward, I started hearing noises. I would hear thumping from my walls, specifically coming from the crawl space under my stairs, which is right on the other side of the wall in my room. I would have passed it off as something normal, but I couldn't. There would be three knocks in groups of three. Knock, 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 over and over again. I looked it up and it said that it was a sign of like a demon or something. I don't know. One night I was laying peacefully in my bed. I share a room with my twin sister and we have a bunk. She sleeps on the top bunk. Anyway, so she starts bawling and screaming. I asked her what was wrong and she pointed at my door, which I usually leave open at night. There, crouching near the opening, was that white figure. Just crouching there. Directly above it was a light switch. I knew I had to make a choice, so I stood up and walked over to it confidently and kicked it as hard as I could over and over. It was like kicking air, except that whenever I passed through it, my leg would get cold. Then I turned on the light and turned it back off, and it was gone. When I finally fell asleep that night, I had a dream that I was trapped under my crawl space. In the room with me was a cage in which this white thing was crouching. I tried to get away from it, and as I did, it reached out and grabbed my leg. I awoke with a start, and to my surprise, there was a huge gash up and down my leg. I would send a picture of the scar, but I feel like that's kind of awkward, lol. But message me back <laughs> if you do want to see it. After that, the knocking continued, but I didn't see the thing again. So I got a Bible and performed my own little cleansing of my room and crawl space, and after that, it went away. But that was not the end of my troubles. After a week or so with no troubles, I saw a young boy in the middle of my room. He just stood there, and as he did, the only thing on my mind was the name Tommy. It just repeated over and over again, so that's what I've always called him. A couple of nights later, when he appeared, he wasn't alone. This time, there was a little girl with him, but she stood on the other side of the room. Now, there were two things running through my head, the name Tommy and the name Chelsea, so that's what I called her. They would always just stand there, although Tommy liked to come up very close to my bed until I could feel his breath on my face. I felt as though I had to stare. Tommy was probably around five years old and had a blonde, bowl cut, and pitch black eyes. He wore coveralls and a white button-up shirt, and on his neck was a deep cut that was constantly bleeding. Chelsea was about nine or ten. She also had light blonde hair, and it was long and cut into bangs. She wore a white dress with dark blood stains around the collar, and she too had a deep cut on her neck. But they just stood and watched me. One night, as I sat in my bed, I heard crying. I looked up to see Chelsea standing in the middle of my room without Tommy. I asked her what was wrong, and she said she was scared. Then, without warning, she ran up to me and screamed in my face. Her jaw had dropped wider than humanly possible to reveal rows upon rows of needle-like teeth. I remember that her breath smelled rancid, and then she was gone. I was terrified and started crying, and after that, I started hearing voices in my head. They told me horrible things, and I kind of blamed them for the self-harm, which I'm currently getting over. The children still appear in my room, but now I'll also see shadow figures, and I'll feel cold hands gripping my legs while I sleep. Just a month ago, I woke up to the sound of a heart monitor. When I opened my eyes, I wasn't in my room anymore. I could faintly see the details of my room outlined, but it was dominated by a slightly transparent hospital room. 
A couple of weeks later, I woke up to the sound of a jack-in-the-box. You know that eerie song they play that makes the weird tinkling noise? Yeah, that's what I heard. I looked around in my room but didn't see anything. Just a quick detail. My bed is set up in the corner of my room, so only two sides of my bed are accessible. Slowly, I turned around, and there was something popping up from the crack between my bed and the wall. It was a white head, and it kind of looked like a mannequin. It was slowly spinning in circles in a jerky way. Every time the notes and the music changed, it turned another centimeter or so. I was so horrified, I started crying again. I haven't seen that one since, but I still see the little kids. Thank you so much for reading this. See you on the other side. Sincerely, Trinity. (sighs) I thought this was going to be a story that ended with the golem-like creature, and it just kept going. Yeah. Oh my God, Trinity's so haunted. And this also email was in 2019. So it's been a couple of years since then. Oh, geez. And so I'm really curious if Trinity still sees them. I mean, this is just warning for everyone not to play these paranormal games because you never know. And even if it's not like the spirit that's said to come through in the games, like any dark entity could take advantage of the fact that you're playing those games. Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it feels like the majority of the activity started when she played Charlie, Charlie, Mm -hmm. but there was still stuff happening, like the sound of of someone walking or like that bang and creak that was heard before. So I feel like there was always kind of activity and maybe something lurking. It does sound like they're different houses, though, because she said that's true. But that doesn't mean that it's not the same spirit. That's true. Something could have followed. Or maybe she just started to open herself up more and more to it. Yeah. And so more activities happened. I'm so curious about these kids. Like, are they are they demonic or are they – Well, the rows of needle-like teeth would, would make me think so. But it's almost like – I mean, kind of like – okay. So she was crying. Like, these two kids clearly look troubled when they first show up here. And then she's mm-hmm. crying and, like, and says she's scared and needs help. And then it almost feels like what if something like the creeper takes over her soul – And, like, what if spirits can get possessed? Yeah. I don't know. It's just the fact that her jaw drops further than is normal. The whole thing, it just doesn't feel – if anything, it makes me feel like – I mean, the cold little hands grabbing onto Trinity's leg. Like, it it just makes me think that the spirit is trying to crawl inside her. It's trying to become her and possess her. Also, what is her sister doing this whole time? Is she sleeping and not experiencing any of it? (laughs) I know. (laughs) Because that sounds nice. I don't know. Yeah. I'm curious. I mean, it kind of goes back to what you said earlier in the episode. Like, is this experience kind of like a weird bubble that only she is experiencing it and anyone else Mm -hmm. in that room doesn't see anything or feel anything or hear anything? But but then her sister did see the golem-like creature in the doorway that one night. The Trinity kicked. Yeah. Whoa. Like, (laughs) so brave. Serious. And like the fact that Trinity at like five years old was the one to be like, let's go look through the window and held her mom's hand. Yeah. You're brave. This kind of reminds me of the sixth sense. You know, when he gets trapped in the closet and he's singing oh, the spirits. So like, they're just these these traumatic events and these spirits who just appear in these horrifying states. And Trinity, as a little kid, is experiencing all these things. Oh, I mean, playing hide and seek and then in sitting in a closet and then slowly realizing there's a terrifying creature sitting three feet in front of you in the same closet that you're locked inside of. Right. Oh, it is a nightmare. I know. And even when she was kicking it, she said she could feel the cold air go, oh. like wrapping around her foot as she was doing it. I just feel like you need oh like God. a – Trinity needs a full cleanse. And when she, she sees – She needs to like these- drink holy water. 
<laughs> bathe in it. Have it become you. But also I think it sounds like she was open to talking to these spirits at first, but perhaps maybe they're bad and she needs to shut them out of her life. Mm-hmm. Not today. Not today. Not tomorrow. No. Not the next day. I'm very curious about these kids. I feel like someone else is going to write in and be like, oh, I also <gasps> saw those kids. Ah! This doesn't feel like it's just specific to the one house. Maybe like they're kids that come with Charlie Charlie. Ooh, yeah. What if there's just a whole – you know how like Marvel has their own superheroes? <laughs> what if what if Charlie Charlie – what if each game opens up certain paranormal entities and they can only enter Ooh, through certain those games? realms. Yeah. Scary. Never know. We don't know. <laughs> we have the, the Marvel universe and the DC universe and now we have the paranormal games universe. Yeah, now we have Charlie Charlie. Wow. Charlie Universe. Okay, I have an email to end on. This is from JB. Hi, ladies. I just recently found your podcast and I've been binging for a few weeks and I love it. A few things before I start my story. First off, you guys are great and it feels like listening to friends that I've known forever. Second, the theme song is awesome. Mm. Shout out to Arms Akimbo. Mm -hmm. And side note, I see that Sabrina wrote for Prodigal Son and it's one of my favorite shows. RIP, but thank you. RIP. Okay, now to my story. One Christmas Eve, we were staying at my mom's home. My mom, brother, and I were laying down in the living room watching Christmas movies with only the lights of the Christmas tree to light the room. It was around 12.30 a.m. and my two kids were in the bed asleep. All of a sudden, we hear kids running down the steps and laughing and giggling. When I got up to talk to them, there were no kids there at all. I went up to the bedroom to check on them and to see if they somehow snuck back into bed before I got up there, but they were sound asleep, not faking, sound asleep. We all looked at each other stunned because we all heard the exact same thing. And of course, we were all freaked out. <laughs> yeah. My husband was not there with us at the time, and I did not tell him anything about this because he's terrified of ghosts. Oh. However, a few years later, my brother brought up our encounter story at a family Christmas party that we had attended. My husband's face went white. He had experienced the same exact thing on a totally different occasion. We were staying at my mom's and everyone was asleep except for him. He was laying on the couch in the living room and heard the kids running down the stairs and laughing. And when he went to check on the kids, they were sound asleep. It was so crazy that we had the same experience on totally separate occasions. I know the family before my mom moved in had about nine children, but as far as I know, no one passed away in the home and no children were ever known to have died there. I don't know the history prior to the previous family, but it would be interesting to know the history of the home and see if there is anything to this apparent haunting. I've had other experiences in my life, including sensing my grandmother in various locations that I've lived in by smelling her very distinct perfume as if she's walking by me. I've also seen my grandfather as an apparition at the end of my bed in my childhood home. My mother has also had multiple experiences, so I guess I get my sensitivity from her. It's been a long time since I've had this experience, but those that I've had, I will certainly remember for the rest of my life. Thanks for reading this. If you get it and see you on the other side, JB. It's so weird because the experience that JB and her husband had, it's they're the exact same, but in two completely different places. Well, it's, it's both at her mom's house. But oh, they were both it's different, at... different occasions. Oh, okay. I thought one was at their house and the other was at the mom's. Yes. Yeah. So it just wasn't, it was different timing, like different years or different holidays okay. or something, different visits. But you know what this makes me think? I'm not even thinking spirits right now. I'm thinking like a mix of the show Dragon Tales and (laughs) Key – what is it? Lock and Key. Mm -hmm. Key House. Where maybe there's something magical about her mom's house 
And her kids are able to kind of play, like tap in somehow and play in the astral realm. Like it's them. And they're playing together all night as their spirits, like their souls leave. They're asleep physically, but they're running around. And it's only possible at their grandma's house. That's so interesting. That is cool. It's a fun. That's a movie. I also wonder if it's just like if the family before was nine children and this is clearly the family gets together at the mom's house a lot. Like, is this just like residual energy? And like, there's just been a lot of laughter from children running around the home. And it's just so positive that it kind of lingers in the house. Mm, Yeah. Either way, this seems very sweet. This is like a very, this is a nice way to end our, our festive holiday episode. (laughs) I know. Because it does. Seem I am pleasant. curious if if JB's mom has ever experienced anything because it sounds like it's JB and her husband mm-hmm. experiencing this. So it's a little more confusing because it's like they're they have their kids there, right? So it it makes them think that it's their kids and not a paranormal experience, and it takes some investigating. But when her mom is there alone, or when her parents are there alone in the house, yeah, do they experience what that? happens? Is it brought with them? Interesting. Are they somehow a trigger? What's going on? That's a good question. We'll have to follow up. Mm-hmm. Well, happy holidays, everybody. <laughs> Please ask all of your relatives and people that you are around for ghost stories. See what you've been missing, what people have been hiding yes. under their rug. Happy holidays. Happy haunting. Send us all your stories to twogirlsmongoespodcast at gmail.com. And you can support us in a multitude of ways. The best gift you can give Corinne and I is rating and reviewing us on iTunes, positively, of course, and also sending us your emails. You can also buy merch. You can support us on Patreon. You can follow us on social media. You can join us on Green Room every Tuesday night at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. There's just a lot of ways to join us in this fun festivity of ghost stories so many ways so spooky we love it we love you guys we're very thankful that this is our fourth year coming on to fifth year of being able to do this podcast that is wild and thank you to everybody who supports us thanks to aiden manning and the rest of the team at upfire digital for editing the podcast and having the patience to (laughs) edit as we reread the same sentences five times over (laughs) and we will See you on the other side. Very spooky. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 